one of the I've been thinking more about the the perhaps unexpected approach that we frame our spiritual system within. Intuitively, I would have thought that the spiritual system would have been framed by a relationship between me and a higher force. Because seemingly, spirituality is exactly that point. It's becoming aware of the spirit. Spirituality, the spirit, that which extends beyond the physical. The ultimate beyond the physical is a deeper, higher power that generates the energy of the present experience of reality that we're involved in. This constant, powerful renewal of the world as we see it, generated by some unseen, invisible force. And I would assume the the spiritual practice at its core would be, well, how do you connect to, interact, and dialogue with that force? And therefore, if you would have asked me to encapsulate the beauty and power of Torah into one pithy statement, I would have gone for Shema Israel, Hashem Lekein Hashem Echot. Meaning that acknowledges an awareness that there's a powerful force in the universe which has our interests and our doings and dealings, a conscious awareness and design and response and and that is a unified force. And even though there appears to be multiplicity and disparity within the universe, there's an unseen force which unites all. I would have thought that would be a great starting point to encapsulate the spiritual system that we have. Counterintuitively, the Gomorrah takes a very different approach. And it says the way to encapsulate the spiritual message of Judaism is in the way that we relate to and engage in our relationships with the people around us. It's a people thing. That's very counterintuitive. Because I wouldn't automatically think that relationships are the core and bedrock of a spiritual system. I would think those are something which is a social phenomenon, but not a spiritual one. And yet, when asked to express the powerful paradigm of Judaism in one sentence alone, Hillel, the great sage, Hazarkane, said, My What is hateful to you, don't do to others. The way that you encapsulate the Torah is your capacity to be compassionate, to have empathy, and to understand the other. And that's really surprising. The Maral goes on to explain why that is. Without having a spiritual model, true empathy, compassion, and unity of community is almost impossible. Because the level of connection always has to occur at a place which transcends the physical. As physical beings, we remain separated from another, both by our physical bodies, but once our values are rooted in the material, so each person will have a slightly different makeup of what he wants, what she wants, what I want to do, what you want to do, and that will make me different from everyone else. And therefore, I may be able to have a superficial connection if I happen to have an overlap with another person who has shared interests, but it will always be limited to a specific nature of self. It cannot be totally transcendent and it won't allow me access to completely connect to everyone at all times. 
I will be able to connect to like-minded people. I'll be able to connect to people who share the same ideas. But some kind of capacity to connect to all people at all times will be impossible. Unless I can find a core essence that expresses and defines my identity and that has a point of overlap with every other single person in the world. And if I can discover that, so then I will increase my capacity for total unity amongst the entire universe by identifying with a transcendent point of self. And therefore Hillel says the reason why social engagement is the yardstick of spiritual accomplishment is because only once I've connected and identified in terms of my own world with my highest point, my neshama, my soul, my essence, my transcendent godly self, only then um, can I relate to everyone else around me with love and care and compassion and connection. And therefore the whole Torah is a system of training to build up that inner spiritual awareness of self, to recognize the great spiritual depth that I possess, once I witness, experience that inside of myself, I become capable of seeing it in others. And that experience of connection becomes independent of the person's actions, attitudes, age, creed or color. Because there's this this perspicacious, penetrating gaze at the other that is able to go beneath the surface and see the other for the depth that they possess and not for the externality that they present. And in obviously in that process, I become matured emotionally and ultimately spiritually that I learn to identify with the parts of myself which are unflinching and infinite and I deviate from identifying with the parts of myself which are transient and tangential. So for example, if I identify with the parts of myself which are transient and tangential, for me of course one of them will be my hairline, if I, if I would invest, and there were times in my life, hard as it is to believe right now, that hairstyle was a big thing for me. And I would spend, I can't say hours, but at least minutes, staring into the mirror, thinking if I one day will go bald, and fearing the worst, Luckily, those fears did not come true. Um, and I would, I would gently position my hair in all different kinds of directions because I felt that that would make a difference. And uh, as you can see now, well, for sure now it doesn't. <laughs> but that's a kind of a, tra- a trans. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a that's a transient expression of identity. I want to go really more to the core. And, and I think we'll find that in real relationships that last over space and time. I don't know if you've had this experience of a close friend that you meet up after having no connection for months and sometimes years. And it feels as if no time elapsed and there was no space between you. Which bespeaks a connection which transcends space and time which bespeaks a connection that is locked into the part of ourselves which isn't limited by what we do and what we say in our hair. And we could have even changed radically in terms of our life situations. But the connection still remains. Now what we're trying to do is to cultivate that connection with everyone in the world. And if we can succeed in doing that, so then we've reached the ultimate plane of spiritual enlightenment. And therefore that's where we're going.
there was a introduction to the next point. Before I do so, I'm just going to get one question from Schmidl's. Um, it could it be, isn't it misleading then to have um, Mitzvot, Benadam Makom? Couldn't, couldn't a person get sidetracked just with those sorts of things? Brilliant point. Brilliant point. Wouldn't it therefore be possible for a person to become sidetracked and to, in a certain way, lose track, lose track of what spiritual enlightenment means by becoming absorbed in overtly godly occupations and perhaps neglecting the, the, the eye-to-eye human interaction. Precisely the point. Precisely the point. That we're always going to bear in mind that because of the danger of spirituality becoming self-indulgent, and actually becoming a point of isolating us from people around us, we're required to start off in the human realm to make sure that the spirituality is original and authentic. Because a person can connect to godliness and isolate himself from other people, and therefore it's an ersatz spirituality, one which just is a reflection of a person's deep selfish desire to connect to a higher force. And we're, we're going for an ultimate connection to an infinite truth which requires way more than that. And, good? You'll digest it. Something else which becomes really interesting based on this, is someone, someone asked me, you know, the Jewish, the Jewish way of meditative prayer is very specific. It's very, it's very, very regulated. It comes at specific times of day and has a specific format attached to it. And obviously that, that, that in, connotes a certain meditative process because something which you say repeatedly three times a day and you're using that same format three times a day and you're going to be doing that for decades and decades is obviously meant to act as some kind of trigger for a higher and deeper level of spiritual experience. But this is the interesting in regard to what we've been talking about, nuance. Because if a person thinks of prayer, one would have thought that that's a point of time why, when I exclusively appeal to the higher force. And there, in that intimate point, at that intimate point, it's me and him. I'm not going to be there as an individual. Boom! Comes Jewish prayer and say, no, it's communal. Even the silent meditation is a communal meditation. So someone said to me, you know, sometimes I want to express what I want. I don't want to have a script to read from. I want to say what's in my heart. That's where I want to be. So why do we have this kind of legislated prayer service which makes everyone the same? Well, it depends how you're trying to connect to it. Remember back to the psychedelic euphoria that a person experiences when they feel that their ego is shedded and they can connect without the little stuff getting in the way. So now imagine I'm standing up to pray. And what occupies my mind is all the stuff that I need and all the things that are weighing heavily on my heart. In that relationship, who's there? Well, there's me and my ego and Hashem. If I want to be transcendent 
and touch on the truth of spirituality and not just on a higher source that's looked upon as some way of supplying my basic needs, emotional or even spiritual. If I want to connect to a higher truth, well then I have to step out of that selfish shell and experience that for its own right. Well, how am I going to do that? I'll tell you how you're going to do that. Align yourself with the people around you. Create a community of prayer, even when it's silent and neither of you can, none of you can hear what you're saying. Now think about what happens on an energetic level, which I can personally relate. When I'm sitting in a room by myself, let's say I'd be meditating. Quietly. It's definitely for me a very powerful experience. When I'm sitting in a room with a group of people, and we're all sharing a similar focus. And we're all connecting to a, an idea that's shared between us. The power of the energy that I experience at that moment is exponentially increased. So let's say we all get together and we all decide to pray. And we all decide to pray our own thing. Do you know what it's like? It's like we have this massive dance party. And everyone's got their own AirPods, and he's listening to their own track of music. And everyone's dance, dancing to the beat of their own drum. If you kind of take a bird's eye perspective of what that looks like, it's chaotic, uncoordinated, and it is a group of people, each one moving at a different pace and rhythm to the other. Contrast that when you're all listening to the same music and dancing the same rhythm and feel the power of that united sway and swing. Feel the power of that united connection to the words that you're singing and hearing. It's a different world. That becomes power. Way more powerful than me sitting listening to my music, dancing to my own tune. So here we go. Let's set the scene. You get into a room. You have at least 10 men around you together, bounded and bonded by a shared goal and a shared purpose. And then you make a, you make a, an affirmation between you. We're all here and we're all starting together. And we're all going to be saying the same words at more or less a similar pace all expressing the same ideas. All responding to this overarching music that's playing that, and the beauty of it, and the music is silent and we can all hear it. Davening together as a group, it means we've got the music, we've got the sheet music in front of us and it's playing and we're all singing it and we're all silent. That is powerful because there's an unspoken, underlying connection which is profound. I'm expressing my united sense of being whilst not compromising my individuality and how that music bounces off me and together with everyone else. If we get completely aligned to that experience, it becomes euphoric. Because here I am, sharing this moment with complete and total alignment with an entire community. And that's why in, in terms of Jewish prayer, it's always together. Because that true spiritual access 
cannot be discovered alone because it will always be somehow blocked by some level of ego. So the giving of the script becomes incredibly powerful for transcendence. And it gives us another license to depart from what would have kind of suspended our capacity to go on a spiritual journey. So that's, that's profound. And now listen to this. If you look in every seder, your prayer book, there's a little line, or not everyone's, but in mine. But it's an accepted practice from the great Kabbalist, the Arizal. And he says, before you start praying in the morning, consciously accept upon yourself one mitzvah. What's a mitzvah? You're about to pray. What does he say? Love your fellow man as yourself. But what's it going to do with prayer? That's everything. That's what it's all about. It's about creating a unity. And that becomes a very different kind of attitude. And, and now that becomes tricky because now we're getting to the nitty gritty of our sophisticated work. When I'm sitting there and I'm praying, even though the format of the prayer has been designed for community, even though the setup requires and other people around me, I can't do it by myself, I can still miss it. And I've asked this question to many people many times before. The way the meditation is structured is it's got 19 phases to it. Those 19 phases are subdivided into three different components, which are three different kinds of energetic um, um, texture to them. The first three, the middle 13 and the last three. So I'm going to go straight to those middle 13. And the first of the middle 13, which is kind of the first rung on this ladder of ascension, is the acknowledgement of the capacity to understand, to be enlightened, and to be able to access knowledge, which obviously without that accessibility to knowledge, it's very difficult to build any kind of spiritual progression. You give that integrated knowledge and understanding. Good? And then you pray. If you said, for example, Tommy, have you said that prayer before? And what do you think about when you say that prayer? Uh, I think about the fact that before being able to achieve any other aspects of spiritual growth, you need a predisposition of so when you when you're asking for that, what you're asking for? Mainly clarity in my learning. Mainly clarity in my learning. He fell straight into the trap, which is wonderful. Mainly clarity in my learning. The 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 prayer is phrased in the plural, not the singular. So we must pray. In the moment of communal prayer and transcendence, we actually. And I'm not saying it's you, because it's everyone I've asked until now, so you're okay. We actually only focus on ourselves. And when I'm asking for something, I say, will you give me? But it doesn't say me, it says us. When I'm asking that prayer, I'm not asking that I should be enlightened. I'm asking that we should be enlightened. All of us. But that shell of self-concern is so solidified around me 
that I just automatically misunderstand the words to make them refer only to myself. And when I'm, be, when I'm using that, I'm not using that I can get insight. No, there's, there's a whole world that needs insight. And I'm trying to connect and trying to draw down the spiritual energy of insight into the world. And me as well. So ironically, with the system, with the structure, with everything in place, we can still botch it up in a royal fashion. We can still, isn't it amazing? We have to be aware within the awareness. This is so exciting. The level of skillful development as we progress in our spiritual journey. Even in something which is as seemingly commonplace as daily prayer. It's transformative. The way we think about it, the way we experience it. And imagine if for a moment we'd engage in that just for two minutes before we began the process and we just looked around at the people in the room and we checked in with ourselves and them and thinking, wow, I'm sitting in a place, I'm surrounded by people who are the conduits of infinity. And here we are. And with this point of connection, which is ineffable, profound. And now we're going to be aligning ourselves in perfect unison together. I mean, imagining the experience will be different for everyone. For me, I've been playing around with it. And I've been sitting and focusing when I'm in that moment of silent prayer and thinking, well, where am I? And feeling the energy and the connection of those people around me. And it's transformative. So never underestimate the need for community, for personal, spiritual transformation. It's not a nice thing if you have it. It's an absolute requirement.